Welcome back to Tough Men of Faith. RT, you're back finally. I'm back. After a couple weeks? Two weeks. Uh, I think you should just permanently replace me. Did you find your perfect shade of makeup after last time? <laughs> I heard, you know, I did watch and listen uh, when I was gone. <laughs> Daniel Earl did a phenomenal job, so yeah. I think you yeah, he carried us. us, and uh, I was just here for the the, uh, the comments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good to have him. So, what's up? Well, How you doing? Uh, you need to, are you going to introduce our sponsor? Oh, yeah. Um, workforce chaplains. Um, that's it, right? That's well, no, you know, Daniel did it. such a I'm good job kidding. with it. He so did. Work, workforce chaplains. Yeah. If you're needing, um, they provide chaplain to like corporations, yep. different businesses of all different sizes. You should check them out. They do a phenomenal job. Yeah. Of just taking a holistic approach. We need, uh, we need Daniel back to, to give a shout. Yeah, out just clip that man. That guy's he's a small business owner. Yeah, he's so are you. He's just a, a good one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's go. We have a guest with us today. Yep. Uh, we have Greg Albert. Greg? Not Craig. Not Craig. <laughs> Craig, yeah. Greg, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be here. Thank yeah. you for having yeah. me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, I've been gone a couple of weeks, so I'm still trying to figure out what we do here. Um, but yeah, actually, as just explained to Greg, kind of our how we got this thing going, we're at yeah. three or four years now. What Over is it? 70-something like? episodes? 70-some episodes. Yeah, I think so. Okay, 85, 85 episodes 85. for those that are counting. Did you think we'd make it this far? No, I thought we were done after five or maybe seven. Um, yeah. First one was rough. You remember that? Yeah, vaguely in yeah. that closet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and th did we start during COVID? We started during COVID. Because we are just talking to, to Greg about this. When he walks in here, we, he started getting flashbacks, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. See I think the everybody was in the lights and took him right back to COVID. Everybody remembers that, recording with these uh, lights and stuff, the umbrellas with lights shining on you. And, <laughs> I, if I go into a seizure, you'll know why. <laughs> it's only if the lights start flashing. Yeah. <laughs> where were where were you at in COVID? Like, well, uh, during COVID, we were actually missionaries in the United Kingdom in the country of Wales. And um, yeah, I think everybody remembers those days, but also wants to forget them. Yeah. Mm. How was the United Kingdom? You know, <laughs> it was kind of interesting. The church we were in at the time, we, we kind of knew that things were going to be shutting down or we kind of heard of this thing called COVID. and. Yeah. This, you know, this flu, this pandemic that was going around. And as a church, we were originally talking saying, you know what, if this happens, we'll still meet in our living room. And then as soon as the government said, okay, you've got to, you've got to isolate, everybody disappeared into isolation. Yeah. And so it was actually on, they called it Mother and Sunday there, which is Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day. Um, 2020 was our very first recording live. Well, I, I recorded, I didn't do it live because I didn't want to mess up. So I recorded everything <laughs> yeah. and then I figured out how to put it up. So it looked like it was live. Nice. Yeah. That was interesting too. I remember I, you'd try to do it and you're in the house. We had four kids. So there were six of us living in a house and I would try to get up early in the morning because everybody was sleeping and I'm a morning person. So I'd get the lights set up. I'd get everything set up. I would literally be wearing a shirt. I'd have a tie on because I'd yeah. wear a tie then <laughs> and I'd have shorts on in my vans. Yeah. You're the guy in his underwear with a yeah. suit and tie on yeah. the top. Yep, I was kind of like anchor, anchor man. And so I can remember one one time, one message in particular. Here I am, I'm recording. I'm about 10, 15 minutes into my message. And my second son comes running down the stairs. What do you do, dude? He's yeah. making all this noise. And I'm like, shh. Because <laughs> the last thing you want to do is be 10, 15 minutes in. I wasn't real good at editing and things like that. So I was just kind of like, if there was an error or something, I'd tell my people to try to find it. Because yeah. I would, as soon as I started, I would record and that was it. I wasn't yeah. going back and re-recording or anything like that. I thought COVID was going to be like the bird flu. I thought it was going to be over in four to six weeks yeah. and... Yeah, I kind of did too. And I think for us too, when we were doing our ministry in Wales, 
we didn't know how long it would be, but um, to give you an idea, we left Wales. Actually, I take this. Yeah, I guess it was 2020 when we started that. We came back to the States because we were bringing one of my sons back and we maintained our ministry there. And um, I was amazed. I ended up getting hired in Shelbyville and I was there for about a year before they finally started going back. Okay. So to give you an idea, I mean, it went on for, I think, two years or something wow. over there. Yeah. What's up? This would be a good question. What's something you guys learned during COVID, like from a leadership perspective? Hmm. From a bad leadership perspective, I've learned that people will follow you as long as you sell it right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't really know on that. Yeah. I think people are easier to deal with when they're in isolation. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. less problems. Some people went but... crazy too. Yeah. yeah. You know, the isolation really hurt a lot of people. Yeah, it really did. And I, I look at like these kids who didn't get to have graduation. Yeah. I look at my son, he went off to college and even though they had some classes live, but you know, he made a joke and you know, you meet your, sometimes you meet your spouses and stuff like that at college. And he's yeah. like, I can't meet these girls. He's like, you know, there's this, they're wearing a mask and stuff. And he's like, I see this girl and I think she's cute. That finally I see her pull down her mask. And he was like, whoa. Yeah, third date and she's got ugly teeth. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it was just, I think everybody's just going to be scarred from this and it's going to take yeah. probably centuries to get over it. Yeah. I just think about all the people that needed community and that were dependent on community. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they have to isolate and their community's gone and they kind of, they kind of fall back into a hole, um, you know, not having that sense of community. Yeah. You know? I just look at the devastation that that caused. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's something too, like in one sense, it's kind of broken that community yeah. because I think from a leadership, there, there's a leadership answer for you. Now that I think about it, um, the church we're in, it kind of killed volunteers and stuff and yeah. it kind of killed that because, you know, the 80, 20 rule, yeah. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I think it's more like 95, five, <laughs> but, um, you know, that group of people, I think, got comfortable not doing anything. Yeah. And so yeah. to get people to volunteer again, that was difficult. And then finding ways to make community was kind of interesting, too. Because yep. we had started an online Bible study. And as I was mentioned before we started recording, I mean, we had like 20-something people from like 14 or 15 different countries that were on this. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were looking for the truth in God's word, but yeah. they were also looking for community. Yeah, I remember holding small groups in our house and masks. I mean, yeah, you know, just uh, mm -hmm. just to try and get some kind of sense of community again and, um, you know, going through church sermons yeah. and to kind of talking it out and just, uh, you know, just having that having that community again. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear your story. So how did you get from wherever you were born at to... <laughs> so start, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> start at the beginning, and then let's get to Shelbyville, Indiana. Right. Okay. Well, I was born in Washington, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, grew up in Pennsylvania until I was about sixth grade, and then my family moved from Pennsylvania to Connecticut. I didn't know it then, but I see now how God was preparing me to be a missionary then. Because when you move from an area, like most areas, I, I'm not sure how... Indianapolis is or where you're at, but Shelbyville is a smaller town yeah. and it seems like a lot of people are born there and they stay there. Yeah. So they've got families and everything's around their families. Well, we moved and we moved into a small town in Connecticut where everybody was related. And so it literally took us about five years to be accepted in the community. Yeah, you were the yeah. outsider. Oh yeah. yeah. And I didn't really realize that. I did a little bit. Uh, but then I, I kind of consider that my home though, because I moved there when I was in sixth grade and that's kind of your formative years. So if people ask where I'm from, I always tell them Connecticut, though I was born in Pennsylvania. 
Um, grew up in Connecticut. I mean, they say about New England is true. It is spiritually dark. Um, we used to joke about people who were born again, but I had no clue what that meant. Yeah. Um, grew up, I grew up different religious background where, you know, you, you hoped you could get to heaven if you were good enough. And so we just kind of lived our lives like we did. There wasn't much to do. So as kids, we kind of went out drinking. There's this place called the Shell Pits. We would go, there'd be bonfires and stuff like that. And really our lives were just small town with nothing much to do. Yeah. My brother is a police officer in, in another small town in Connecticut. And then his girlfriend or fiance at the time, she wanted to become a movie star. So they moved to Florida. <laughs> Made sense, yeah. right? Not Hollywood, but Florida. <laughs> so they moved to Florida. One thing led to another. They ended up breaking up. And he kind of saw my father passed away um, when I was 19 years old. I was still living in Connecticut. And I kind of went on a downward spiral from there, doing, probably drinking more than I should. And, and in hindsight, looking back, I think that's how I was kind of coping. And really, my life had no purpose. And I think my brother saw that. And he was wise enough to move me to Florida. And I, I really had nothing going on in my life. So I moved to Florida when I was 20, kind of bounced around from job to job. Like a good part of Florida? Well, uh, like, yeah, Jupiter. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. like all the celebrities. And <laughs> Where's Jupiter at? Like on the... Northwest Palm Beach on okay. the East Coast. Yep. Um, and it's really kind of, I mean, it's a upper middle class area, beautiful place. I yep. mean, there's, there's Jupiter Island. The Bushes have a home there, Alan Jackson, all kinds of celebrities live there. I love Alan Jackson. So yeah, <laughs> he's good. Um, Burt Reynolds is in from Jupiter. In fact, my brother got married on his, on his ranch out there. Awesome. And so wow. my brother was a police officer down there. And um, I think I was about 25 years old. And he's like, Greg, what are you going to do with your life? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, what about retirement and things like that? And he was a cop. And so he's like, if I could do it all over again, I'd be a fireman. So I'm like, yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> so I started pursuing a career as a firefighter. Um, during that time, you had to become an EMT. You had to get fire certified. So I did that. I went to the fire, or I went to EMT school, got that, started loving it. Mm -hmm. There was a small little town uh, called Pahokee, Florida. If you're familiar with Florida, there's like a little spot in the middle of the state. That's Lake Okeechobee, um, second largest man-made lake yeah. in the U.S. And there's this little town called Pahokee which means grassy waters. And so I went there because there were two ambulance stations, one in Pahokee and one in Belle Glade. And Belle Glade, interesting fact, um, on the cover of Time Magazine as the AIDS capital of the world at one time. Really? Yep. Wow. And so I knew that I could go out there and I could get experience from an EMS standpoint. Yeah, a lot of experience. A ton of it. Yeah. And um, so I went out there and I loved it. I was on the ambulance for a couple of years and there was a small little fire department there and they were getting ready to be taken over by Palm Beach County. And they were going to go from two or one man per shift to two man per shift. And so that's when I started looking at becoming a firefighter. Um, in the process, when I was going to EMT school, I thought, well, I love this. I want to do this as a career. But then I realized I had to be a fireman to get a career. And so I started going by the fire station, met the fire chief, and I was trying to sell him on hiring me. Yeah. I'd gone through the fire academy. And so he asked me this question. I remember it, greatest question I ever heard. Hey, we're going to be burning a house this weekend. Do you want to join us? I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely do that. Twist my arm and take my money. <laughs> yep. And so at that train and burn, um, we're in the small little town. I mean, there's, a, there's this girl that's making these sandwiches across the way. And I said, wow, who's this girl? And so I started talking with the guys that were there. And um, so it turns out that it's the fire chief's daughter. <laughs> you, didn't so, marry, you didn't marry the fire chief's daughter, did you? <laughs> no. So the, the thought goes through your mind. Yeah. What's going to happen with me getting a job 
if I start dating his daughter. And Nothing. So, you don't date her until after you get the job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of did things backwards. And so I did something that I never did. I actually went to him and I said, I asked his permission to date his daughter. Yeah. And it was kind of a defining moment. And I would say that he played his cards pretty well because he asked me a question that I never had anybody ask me before. What's your intentions with my daughter? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I'm an unbeliever at the time. And I'm sure any unbeliever, yeah. you know, what's going through your mind. You don't want to know, sir. <laughs> yeah. I'm not thinking about marriage. That's for sure. <laughs> But um, so we started dating. Um, I end up, we started get, dating. I think I got, we were engaged, but then I got hired by the fire department. Um, then we got married and it kind of, kind of worked out, but it was kind of an awkward situation. We kind of went through some difficult times because the department was transitioning from a small department where Palm Beach County was going to take it over. And so I ended up leaving the fire department there and um applying for another fire department on the west coast of Florida, Largo, Florida. But in the meantime, I kind of fast forward a little bit, but in the meantime, when I met Mary and we were dating, she was uh, witnessing to me. And I was 27 years old. We were dating for about a year. We got married when I was 28. And I remember she made a statement to me, which was interesting. She said, I won't marry someone who's not saved. And I grew up, I had a religious background, but I didn't understand salvation. Mm -hmm. And so she was witnessing to me and, you know, and I knew I needed to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So the day after we were married, went to church and I went forward and accepted Christ as my Savior. Oh, wow. So it was really cool. And, yeah. it, and really, it's because of her. And you called her bluff. Yeah. <laughs> and it was because of her that I became a Christian. Yeah. Um, I was a fireman. Nowhere on my radar was ministry. You know, I did, you know, I told God, I'm like, I'm reading the Bible but our goal was to have a family, love my job, never thought I would leave it, got hired at Largo. I remember even praying to God and saying, if I get this job, I'll stay here till I retire. And so I did. I stayed there 10 years. I retired and got into ministry. <laughs> and it was kind of interesting how we worked because like when I first got hired at Largo, our goal was that we wanted to have kids and Mary wanted to stay home with our kids. And so I did like most firemen, you work 24 on 48 off. So I would do, do jobs on my days off. I started a lawn business. We grew our lawn business to a large commercial business. She was able to stay home. And it was kind of one of these periods where like we were making more money on my days off than I made at the fire department. Yeah. You could have, we, we were, I worked really hard, grew a really big business, successful. And um, I was miserable. You know, I mean, I can remember I could buy anything I wanted to buy, but I was just downright miserable. And I knew that there was more to it than that. And so I remember, um, I remember it was on my birthday, ironically, and I had a dentist appointment. We were getting ready to go to one of the toughest customers that we had the next day. It was this old age. It was like this 55 and older community. Um, if you cut the grass and if you left grass on the sidewalks, they would complain if you blew off. I mean, it, they were just a nightmare. And I remember I had guys that were working for me and the brother of the one, the other crew leader or something like that, he came to me and he's like, we had just gone through where we blew some engines and stuff like that on our equipment. And he's like, the problem is my brother, you got to fire him. I'm like, okay. So I met with him and I met with his brother and um, told his brother that I need to let him go. So that the moment I fired him, my entire crew, all the guys quit. And, and I've got this dentist appointment and you couldn't get into this dentist. It took like six months to get in. And I remember I was going to this dentist appointment and I just felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I was so stressed out. I was so worried. And so I go to this dentist appointment and it really, it really got me looking to God and it, it made me realize I was living my life for stuff, not for him. Yeah. And so in that, um, 
that Sunday or somewhere there about there, God had been working in my heart. And so in that, I just basically said, you know what, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. And so we surrendered to full-time ministry. I think at the time God was calling us into missions um, for two years, we fought against that. But then in the midst of that, God, like everywhere we looked, we would see, you know, missions, missions. We, I, my wife and I would tell you, you, drive down the road, you see a billboard of like a gap jeans thing and we'd see missions in it. Yeah. And so we knew that that's what he wanted. And so March 1st, 2009 in our missions conference at our church, we had a missionary there who was going to Wales. And um, we kind of always thought that we would go to South America. I had Spanish guys that worked for me. There was a couple that we knew that was in Guatemala that was doing this great work. And we thought, okay, well, if we ever become missionaries, we'll go there. And then it was in 2009, our missions conference, that we had a guy going to Wales. And um, that morning, I remember 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And so I just knew God was calling us to missions. And so we went forward that morning, we surrendered. And I told my wife, I said, I think God's calling us to Wales. And she's like, you just don't want to learn another language. <laughs> and I'm like, actually, the Welsh language is probably harder than Hebrew to, to learn. It's one of the hardest languages. I said, actually, I, I think if God's calling us to Wales, it's probably because it's one of the toughest countries. Hmm. And it was known as the land of closing churches. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a spiritually dark country. But so God kind of worked through this. And um, March 1st, 2009, we surrendered by August, 2009. I had sold my business. Um, I had retired from the fire department and we moved to BBC. And I mean, it's just amazing how God worked. We felt like he had us on a fast pace, fast track. And so I did my four year degree in three years. Um, we didn't want to get stuck in Springfield Yeah. because I'm sure you've probably heard the stories. People go there and then they get, they never leave Springfield and we didn't want that to happen. And so we started deputation 2012. We arrived in Wales, January 29th, 2015. And so we were there almost six years. Wow. Then the pandemic came and all that. But ironically, about two years before, um, about two years before we came home, 2018, I kind of felt like God was calling me back to pastor in the States. And I told my wife about, I used to run and I, I just can remember one time I was out running and Wales is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm running through this field, like through this road and there's sheep that run in front of you. And I mean, you couldn't ask for a more, more beautiful country. I just remember being in tears and it was just like God said, you're done here. Yeah. And so we were praying. Um, we didn't know what that looked like. And I was talking with a friend of mine who was a pastor and, and I just knew to do just to be faithful. And so we just kept serving. And then when we finally came home in 2020 for my son to bring him to college in the midst of COVID and, and even all of that was kind of a miracle how God worked that out because I had a Land Rover Defender mm -hmm. and everything hinged on us coming back. If I could sell this Defender in Wales, <laughs> in Wales. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was, a, I love the truck. My wife called it, she basically called it a tractor because it was just, there's no luxuries to that. Yeah. They're just, but they're cool trucks. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely. seen it, you know. And so in order for us to come back, we had to sell that. But not only did we have to sell it, we had this super narrow window that we could get a company to come in, pack us up, get our stuff in a container and ship it back. So yeah. it was kind of like, all right, Lord, if this is what you want. And then we had our dog as well because we brought our dog over. And I mean, God worked everything out. We were actually able, um, I sold my Land Rover we got tickets, we had everything shipped. We were actually able to bring our dog home on the airplane, nice. like on the seat beside us. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when we took her over, it wasn't like that. So God made it clear. 
Um, we came back and we were praying. We said, Lord, we'll still go back to the UK if that's what you want. But I really felt like he wanted me to pastor, but I'd put a whole bunch of resumes out. Really didn't get anywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, how'd you end up in Shelbyville? Yeah, I guess it's just God, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I, I actually, August of 2000, what would it be, 2020? Something like that, 2021, something like that. Um, I was sick as a dog with COVID. I think it was 21, 2021. I was sick as a dog with COVID. And I got a call from um, one of the head deacons at um, Hope's Point, And he had asked me to interview me. And I told my wife, I'm like, Mary, there's a church in Indiana that wants to interview me. She's like, where? <laughs> I'm like, Indiana? And we, I mean, this is what's cool about having a wife that loves the Lord and is fully sold out. And we both have always been, God, we'll go wherever you want us to go. Yeah. We'll do whatever you want us to do. And she's like, well, if they want to interview, you got to get the interview then. And one thing led to another and they ended up hiring me. And so nice. yeah, I've been here, um, no, well, November 1st. So Wednesday was two years for okay. us. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting story because it's not the traditional track guys usually take to go to another country to be a missionary or be a pastor. No. Like you were, you're an established career. Yeah. And, and God called you. And yeah. And it, and I've, I mean, I was a fireman. I loved my job. Yeah. Never thought I would leave it. Um, even now I, I still, I mean, miss being a fireman. So what did I do when I got here? I got on as a chaplain at the fire department you, here. Yeah. And so I, I get to, I tell them they're kind of therapy for me. I get to ride with them and yeah. they've been very open and welcome to me. So that's opened up doors for me too, to minister people mm -hmm. that, you know, that you have a common interest with. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I never thought that would happen. But then I look at it now and I see how God prepared me in that. And I see how he's prepared me through having a business and, and I think older in life too. And then mm -hmm. coming from a religious background that was about works and things like that. So when you learn the truth, you're like, whoa, I want to teach everybody the truth. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting ride and that's for sure. Yeah. And then, so you're married and you have four, four kids? kids. Yep. Yeah. My oldest son is 23. Uh, he works with me at the church. Okay. My second son is 21. He's currently in Montana. He's a boiler maker. He's not from Purdue. <laughs> but he actually works on oil refineries. And I mean, he takes these like big, massive hundred pound bolts. And, you know, so he works on oil refineries and does, I don't even know what he really does. To be honest. <laughs> I know he's a boilermaker, yeah. whatever that is. Right. Uh, my daughter, she's 19. Um, she went in the military. Uh, that was her goal. Her desire was to be a combat medic. And she went in, she got injured and ended up getting medically retired. Um, but now she is actually working at the fire department as a civilian EMT, okay. which is really cool. And then my youngest son, he's 18. He works for a guy in our church who does construction renovation. Okay. Yeah. So if a guy comes to you and says, hey, I'm a dad. And so you have adult kids now. Yeah. Right. And says, how can I make a, the biggest difference in my kid's life? <laughs> Don't do what I did. <laughs> what would you tell them? <laughs> you know, I think one of the key things is make them the priority. Um, and, and this is something I've learned because right as a fireman and growing up, I, I was basically first generation Christian. So I didn't really have a role model of what a Christian father looked like. Mm -hmm. So I always say, you know, we learn as we go and we make mistakes. Sometimes we try to do the best with what information we have. Yep. But one thing I always do, like, except for today, cause I got my phone vibrate, but I always make a point. Like if my kids call me, even if I'm in a meeting, unless I can't answer it, I answer the phone. Yeah. 
And if I'm with someone, yeah. I tell them because I've learned in the past, like when I was a fireman and my wife was home with the kids, she'd be like sick as a dog. And she's like, honey, I need you to stay home today. And I don't know why I just was so hard headed. And yeah. I've always put work first and everything else first. You can't make your kids a priority. You yeah. find, well, I say that you got to find balance though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But you, you do have to love them and invest in them and, and guide them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've told, so I work in, a, I'm a pastor and so I work in an office and I have my office and we have an office manager and other staff around, but my kids have always known at the church, like, Hey, you can come straight in. Yep. Right. You, yep. No one can stop. If I'm in a meeting, you get to walk straight in. So they do that. Right. So we have deacon <laughs> meetings or other <laughs> yeah. meetings and we're getting ready to start. And it's not uncommon for my kids to come busting in a door and, and those around the table know that. And I think it's good for them to see that, that, Hey, I'm here all the time working. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my kids know that I'm their dad because you can get another pastor. Yeah. You can get one a lot better than I am. Um, they can't get another dad. Yeah. So. And I, and I agree too, because this is something that I've learned too in ministry. I think a lot of times people, I, I think when you come in with wisdom and age and stuff, you, and even coming in with a career and like yeah. me, where you've put work first, you know, after I left the fire department, they still run calls. Yep. Life will go on without you, but yep. your family, you don't want to lose your family to ministry. Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose your family to anything. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you have as family. Yeah. So what if he's going to ask a question about his marriage? He would say, what advice would you give to me? How long have you been married? Uh, it'd be 25 years right. this year. So if a guy's getting ready to get married, what's some advice you would give him? Wow. <laughs> I get, it's kind of a loaded question, right? Yeah. Um, it depends. You know, I mean, like how long have they dated? I would say you want to get to know somebody before you get married. Yeah. We did something which was really awesome. I've, I've never done this before because I'm still relatively a new pastor. Uh, but we had a couple that was in our church that were getting ready to get married and we went through premarital counseling with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, I look at that and I see how important that was. We never had that. Yeah. So I would want to make sure like if it's someone in our church, you know, you want to be equally yoked. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure you have things in common because I think we live in a day and age now where marriage is just kind of throwaway. And I think yep. people go into it. Well, if this isn't going to work, we can always just get divorced and that's right. not an option. Yeah. yeah. You know, it should be a well, it commitment. it shouldn't be an option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, so, you know, you want to go into it. You want it to be a commitment. And yep. so I, I would try to get with them and counsel with them. Um, try to know more about them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, premarital counseling was a good thing for us, too. Um, just uh, put a lot of things out there that we wouldn't have probably talked about for a while. And uh, the guy that did our premarital counseling he was no holds barred. He'd just go right in and he'd ask even the tough questions or the embarrassing questions that you didn't want to talk about. And he just jumped right in there and it was good. It's really good. I, I think today too, in the day and age in which we live, or at least in the past, people were afraid to talk about things. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife and I, we're not afraid to talk to couples about sex, about money, about right. the difficult things. Cause I think you're right. You have to know, yeah. you have to be able to answer these things because these are things that are going to potentially cause problems. Well, that's what the they're going to fight about, right? Yeah, right. Sex, absolutely. Money, children. Yep. That's yep. Jobs. That's <laughs> jobs. Yep. Um. The sex, money, children. <laughs> Probably about in that order too, right? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I do a good job of not getting in trouble on this podcast with my wife. <laughs> so, you do. I do not. <laughs> Nick doesn't always. Uh, my wife listens to everyone. Oh, really? And then she comes back and she's like, I can't believe you said this, or I can't believe yeah. you said that. Yeah. And she doesn't even know what gets edited out that she right. doesn't hear. So. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm sure too, as a pastor, you know, right? Like when your wife's sitting out there, you know, if you mess up because you see her doing this. She does that quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll sit behind laughs> her. Or she does this. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned, I grew up with a dad who loved using his kids and uh, his wife as examples and illustrations. <laughs> and I'd watch him take the wrath of that uh, every time we'd go to Sunday dinner. Yeah. So I learned from that, and I don't use Karen as a illustration material. So. That's smart. Now your I kids, think, on the other hand. Oh, my kids are yeah. free game. I don't care if they get mad at me. <laughs> I think my kids are learning that too. That yeah. you know, yeah, they're always in illustration. Yeah, that's part of being a pastor's kid. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. Well, this has been great having you on here, uh, talking good. through some things and hearing your story. I, yeah, I didn't. So we've only met a couple times. Yeah. but I didn't know all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I guess I'm like Shrek, like an onion, right? Yeah. Go back to layers. Back the layers. Yeah. <laughs> but we have a lightning round okay. where we ask some questions. All right. Nick, you ready? Yeah. Go ahead. Who would play you in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I like Jim that. Carrey. I think about like Ace Ventura, that would probably be me. Yeah. Jim Carrey, the fireman. Yeah. Or maybe Dwayne The Rock. I would probably say we're probably equal. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see your equal physique there. Yeah, Um, just because I have a bald head, I guess. I think I look (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, What's, if you could meet one person from history, not Jesus, who would it be? Ooh. Gosh, that's a tough one. I mean, because I guess it, I guess it would be Noah. Okay. Yeah. I think it'd be Noah. I think it'd be really cool to see a guy who had so much faith to build a boat. Yeah. And so much opposition. And so much opposition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To keep on going with it. I mean. It would be him or I would think it would be Cleopas from okay. the guy on the road to Emmaus. Yeah. Because I've always thought that would be so amazing to like, going back to Jesus again. So I guess I kind of went around the question. Yeah. But to hear him explain every aspect of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you know. So I think, you know, Cleopas to be there and to be like, whoa. Jesus, I, I didn't even realize it was him. And he's telling me all this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was him. <laughs> yeah. So no one said him on the podcast yet. So you're the first one to give a Cleopas answer. Okay. And I imagine a lot of our listeners now are Googling that to find Who's out who Cleopas? he is. Who's Cleopas? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Noah, we got. All right. Um, What's a book you'd recommend? Yeah, a book you'd recommend. You know, I, I don't read. I'm not, a, I'm not a tremendous reader. I'm terrible like that. Yeah. I'll read the Word of God and I study it and I love the Word of God. What about podcasts? But, Beyond Tough Men of Faith, what well, would you recommend? I was going to say that's my favorite podcast. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I really did like, you remember the book Radical when it came out? Mm-hmm. That was kind of transformative yeah, when Black. I read that. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really good. Um, I would have to say, but you know, I also like James Bond books too. Okay. Growing up. And then, do you know Spencer? Spencer for hire and stuff. I don't see. And now they, I'm going worldly on you on this, but is it fiction? I guess. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was, um, he was like a, uh, detective in Boston. Okay. And okay. so growing up in Connecticut, but yeah. yeah. So I kind of liked the, the Spencer books. I kind of like James Bond. Okay. But then if I wanted to be spiritual, then yeah. I'd probably lean towards, you know, like, yeah. You don't have to be spiritual on here. We have Nick on this show. So <laughs> okay. <it's, laughs> I wasn't sure what the rules are on that. Yeah. So but. there are really no, no rules that okay. Nick hasn't already broke. So right. it's, you're, you're good. <laughs> yep. Never Is that broke. accurate? No, it's pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Blake's had to edit out some language and some words and yeah. I've eliminated using four letter words on here, which is good. That's stick to three letters. Yeah, yeah, three letters are fine. (laughs) Go to two and you can't get in trouble. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, good hearing your story. I like how like hearing how a normal guy can, you know, normal guy can go into ministry and go into missionaries and go into being a pastor and Yeah, and you you know, know, I have to I've got to be honest. I mean, when I look at it too, I don't think 
I'd ever in my life looking into the future thought I would have done this. Yeah. But then I can see how looking in the past, how it's beneficial. I didn't ever think I'd do a podcast. I get yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and, and so you could see how the experience you have in life and yeah. how it can be beneficial. I'd be but, friends with a pastor. Yeah. And I just laugh and I would say, you know, you know, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. He, sure he can use me. He can use anybody. <laughs> how can guys connect with you? Like, so if they're in Shelbyville and looking for a church. Or if they're in Indianapolis, want to drive a little ways, or well, you know, Cincinnati, want to drive a little ways. Yeah, we're pretty easy. Um, Hopespoint.com, or, okay. or my email is galbert at hopespoint.com. Or yeah. you can always reach me very easily, 911. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Used to be that, not yeah. anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank yep. you. See you guys next week.